0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society Podcast. I'm your host, Chet Czar, and today we have uh, one of my favorite guests to have on the show, and that is the amazing Mitch Horowitz. Mitch has a new book coming out called uh, Modern Occultism. There's a link to pre-order the book in the podcast description. Daydream Believer, I think that was his last book, was excellent. All his books are great, so... And he's just a super uh, intelligent guy and uh, really fun to talk to. And, oh, and I almost forgot. I can't forget to promote this because I'm so excited about it. Mitch and I are going to be uh, sharing the stage at the Philosophical Research Society in Las Feliz um, in L.A., And uh, it's going to be Wednesday, September twentieth at seven PM. We're going to do a a presentation. I'm going to have like a slideshow of my artwork, talk about that a bit, and talk about dark art and the connection between uh, dark art and left hand path spirituality and all kinds of things like that. And I am honored to be asked to do this, and uh, excited and uh, super stoked about it. It's going to be very fun. Also, Mitch, uh, the following. Friday, two days later, on uh, September 22nd at 7 p.m., he's going to be um, releasing his new book. So uh, I just wanted to make sure I promoted that because Mitch and I both kept forgetting the dates (laughs) in the interview. And there will be links in the description of this podcast to purchase tickets. Let's see what's going on with me. I am absolutely exhausted. I am painting these little... I've got eight nine not ten ten more of these little paintings to finish these mini two by three paintings i'm finished and i'll probably put them on sale um, uh friday or not pro- i don't know i'm always overly optimistic about when i can get th- things done probably next week but um you can see i got i got some finished ones here if you could if you're on watching on youtube let me change the focus can i change the focus yeah there's one, there's another, they came out pretty, pretty nicely. I made some aliens, um, so these are going to all have, oops, glow in the dark elements painted on them and they're going to be in a, a glow in the dark frame I made too glow in the dark frame anyway let me fix the focus there uh so that's what i've been working on it's been really kicking my ass big time and i'll finish these today these last 10 i think and then i gotta do the embellishment glow embellishments and um, varnish i gotta sign and varnish Put them in the store. There's a lot to do. Uh, if you go to my Patreon, that's the, my Patreon subscribers get the first shot at getting uh, uh, any new work I have. So that's patreon.com. That's my personal Patreon. You can join us for as little as a dollar a month. And um, uh, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to Patreon.com/slash i'm pretty tired uh patreon.com slash dark art society and you could also join there as little as a dollar a month if you join the, at the uh, five dollar level you get a 20 f- percent uh, discount code for uh skull shop which is our sponsor s-k-u-l-l-s-h-o-p-p-e i don't have i don't have my skull handy but i do have a jawbone of one of their skulls you know i've said it a million times their skulls are amazing and um yeah, $5 level and above, you can get a 20% discount code. And what else? Uh, oh, I got a deal with uh, Art and Glow, too. So they're kind of a sponsor, I guess. Um, the the company that I've been ordering my Glow powders from. And uh, oh, what's the code? That's oh, too late. I'll have to do it next. I'll put it in the, in the description. But there's a link, and you can get, get um, uh, 10% off. I think it's czar is the code at artandglow.com. Uh, I'll put it in the in the in the description, the body uh, description of the podcast. Um, is there any oh yeah. And if you join at the the Dark Art Society Podcast, you get a you get your name read on the air. And um, this week we have DK Glass. Thank you, DK Glass. Appreciate you supporting the podcast. Uh I think that's it. I think that's all. Um, Yeah, that's it. Let's get into it. All right. Thanks for listening. And uh, here you go. Uh, Mitch Horowitz, excellent uh, guest and excellent interview. So here it is. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening and watching. Oh, also uh, hit the like, subscribe and uh, notifications bell on YouTube if you can, because we're really trying to focus attention on the YouTube channel. All right. Thank you. Hello, Mitch. My man, how are you? Good. How are you? I like
1: my new headphones.
0: (laughs) invisible headphones. (laughs) Yeah, feel
1: really good about it.
0: (laughs) Well, I did look up uh, when I heard you were having mic troubles. I did look up Mercury retrograde, and it's supposed to start in a couple days. So uh, they 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 say a week before.
1: I'm trying not to be afraid of Mercury (laughs) retrograde. You know, in my experience, listen, you know, there's all kinds of knots and fuck ups in life, and Mercury retrograde can also undo those things too. So irritating as it can be, I always want people to take a second look at it and realize that there are aspects of it that could be favorable.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's just like uh, any painful experience you've gone through, uh, particularly with like relationships and stuff. You end up Mm -hmm. looking back uh, five years later and going like, oh, thank God that happened. Thank God I got out of that when you couldn't see it at the time. It's, it's like true. how often has that happened, you know? Right, right. I'm, I'm, so. I ha- had that. I'm having that experience now, actually, with someone that completely—I thought was one of my closest friends—totally betrayed me, and, and it's like painful, but I know it's it's good in the long run, you know.
1: Now, this is what I want to do. This show, um, let's talk about betrayal. <laughs> I've got a lot of you know, experience. This is your usual <laughs> theme. No, but it's fascinating. I mean, you'll forgive me for um sort of, I don't mean to hijack the theme of the show. You're like, we were gonna talk about Gnosticism. <laughs> what <How laughs> is Horowitz talking about? Why is he talking about betrayal? Um, no, but it's interesting. Like I've um I've known people sort of in like the New York City real estate market who are like tough motherfuckers, you know, like real badasses financially. And they're tough in ways that I would not want to be tough. Mm-hmm. You know, they've elected to enter a world of commerce that has to do with a great deal of sharp elbows and sly working and all that jazz. I wouldn't want to be in their world. Right. Nonetheless, I recognize that these are, you know, some some badass people. And I've had some of these people, including one guy fairly recently real estate financier come to me and say he had a friend of his who had been his business partner in his firm for years and years and years everything was chill everything was fine and then uh the teller of the story went through some personal difficulties divorce and such and the guy said don't worry about it I got your back you deal with your divorce you can count on me to be here for you uh, to make sure that the farm is running. And um, long story short, he ripped him off and he was shocked because he had known the guy for many, many years. And I thought to myself, okay, so if somebody of that. uh, Somebody who plays the hard game, you know, the game I don't really play, but somebody who plays the hard game, if he can get blindsided like that by a longtime friend, colleague, business partner, what does that say about human nature? Can we trust fucking anybody, any of us, no matter who we are? um you know
0: vulnerable to that kind of situation yeah and there's no it's like that's the thing it's like there's no i think i keep thinking like what could i have done differently because this has happened to me a a few times like significantly um yeah and of course you always go well maybe it's me (laughs) this keeps happening to me but it's like uh at the core of my involvement with these relationships, relationships where this has happened is me wanting to, like, try and help them, which makes it worse. Because I'm always trying to, like, it's like I'm trying to, like, raise them up and, you know, and, like, join me on this journey. Because I have a little bit of, um you know, uh, pull in the art world or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah. Not a huge amount, but enough to where I can, like, offer that. And the people I care about, I want to, to come with me. You know what I mean? So and 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 that I makes totally it, dig. and that makes it so much worse. <laughs> you know, it's like you end up feeling used, and um, and 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 you th- I, and then and then you're like, what could I have done differently? It's like, but that's my Always, nature, right? you know. That's my nature to be that way. It's so. I the answer may be nothing, you know. Yeah, just uh, that this—that's the way it is. <laughs> that's the way life is. You know, that's the that's the the risk you got to take.
1: Well, I want to offer you three observations if i may sure one i'm sure you and i are the same fucking person (laughs) i have this sneaking suspicion that the matrix just got confused and divided our pixels but same dude you know um because the same thing has happened to me like i had a good friend not long ago a few years ago um and or at least i thought he was a good friend (laughs) right right um and he um um uh he was he was handling uh, uh we were we were we were how can i put it uh we were collaborating on a very important business media venture and um he um he did something uh, without my consent that obligated me financially and uh naturally i was i was unhappy about it and um you know the next day i called him and i said look dude you know you obligated me financially here and and i i, I feel like this um this was simply wrong flat out. And, you know, I could hear him like take a deep sigh on the other end of the phone. And I thought to myself, well, you know, it was during COVID right in the thick of it. Hmm. And people were under stress emotionally, financially. And so I said, look, I realize that you may be experiencing uh, economic insecurity like the whole country is during COVID. So I'm just going to I'm going to say we're chill. We're good. You know, I'm going to do it your, your way. And he was like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Several months later, he ripped me off even worse. Oh my God. Um, and I didn't see it coming, you know, now somebody could say, well, you were a fool because, you know, fool me once shame on me or whatever. Right. And sure, you know, I could always say that, but I thought, you know, I was doing the right thing by my friend. I thought he was just having a, All right. a meltdown and I was just going to, Give them a pass. Um, I guess the only thing I could say is this. um, Somebody once made a statement to me that I I thought was a very interesting statement, although I don't agree with it politically. He said the difference between conservatives and liberals are. And he was speaking, I think, classically. I think these terms no longer hold up in the 21st century so forget about the current political application, but maybe think about the classical application. Mm-hmm. He said to me, the difference between conservatives and liberals basically are liberals believe people are good and conservatives <laughs> believe people are bad. <laughs> the liberals believe like if you have appropriate safeguards and I don't know, um, I guess a liberal might believe man is perfectible. Right. Put it, Using a rather portentous term and a conservative believes that man is fallen and is basically bad. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't think of those terms politically at all, but I do agree that man is basically bad, mm-hmm. uh, which is why <laughs> I have very few friendships and relationships. <laughs> those are the facts.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's like, it's just, it's, uh it's, it's it, for me, it's just so, um, It's It's like, yeah, and it's like, I have this, I have this, and it's like, I trust people and I have this innate um, feeling that people are good, even though it's like, I I have the same kind of like uh, view as you. I mean, you know, it's kind of expressed in my artwork a lot, I think, because you've got a a lot of the, uh, I, I paint monsters and these are really representations of people, I think. The humanity yes and yes and they're and they are monstrous but there's all there's also like a uh uh an empathy with them and a lot of them yes they're I not agree. all they're not all terrifying and scary some of them it's like even though they're they're monsters you still feel bad for them you know
1: that's your genius if i may say as an artist you find pathos in monsters and that's your fucking genius Oh, thanks (laughs)
0: thank you that's but that that's i mean that's uh that's what the paintings are all about and that's how i feel about people too it's like you know god even if uh, i remember when i was a kid the 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 few times i got in fights which was really rare because i was pretty uh chicken kid get, about getting into fights, you know, I was, just, I was really shy and, and and tried to avoid them at all costs. But the few times I fought back, I remember w- this one kid, I like, I hit him really hard in the back. It was like, he, he, no, he hit me, he hit me in the back in, in class. And then after, um, uh, when we went to the bus, this was like third grade, <laughs> but I, after I, I like, I was so pissed. I was pissed the whole day and i yeah and i like confronted him and i like uh and i think and i don't even remember how i hit him but i know i hurt him and he yeah. started crying and i i just felt horrible like i felt so bad for that even though it was like right. he had it coming because he hit me in the back you know after, for no reason like that on my back when i was sitting in a chair and and uh and and it it almost feels like a failing in a w- way to to have it's like I you know and, and people say this all the time that they're empaths and that my my biggest problem is I have too much empathy which is so obnoxious when when I hear it. But I kind of feel that way and I feel like yeah. it's not good. You know, I feel like it's a uh, uh uh it opens me up to way more um potential pain and, and suffering really and, and and i'm so often wrong about people that i trusted, you know
1: well you wouldn't be an artist without it yeah that's uh, true that's true you wouldn't be able to find the uh the beauty the empathy the emotions um the uh sensitivity within the monsters that you depict which are the human race essentially mm. uh I mean, you are the portraitist of humanity. It's just that we don't like to see ourselves that way. So you're a realist.
0: Um, (laughs) I'm a realist painter.
1: (laughs) You're a realist painter. Um, And you see, instead of like, but you're able to see through the fact that there is pain and there is heartache inside of these beings that you paint. I think every artist feels this way. Every artist suffers from excessive sensitivity and uh, mood swings, right? You know, very, very deep polarities between um, enthusiasm and depression, or enthusiasm and anxiety, or something, right? And um, I don't know that there's any way out of it,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like, even if it is bad to be that way, it's the way I am, and I can't change it. I, I don't think I could change it. It's right. just kind of, I feels like it's who I am. I've been like that since I was a little kid. Uh, I remember seeing like my friends would shoot birds with BB guns and stuff and i just would cry when i saw them do that i could not deal with it it's like it was too much uh it just i just i just had the sensitivity for 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 things like that and uh
1: um, yeah i agree i mean i don't i don't really um um yeah i've 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 had the same experience where like you know maybe um in a fight, you know, I, I feel sorry for somebody, right. <laughs> not really, I think what, you know, Bruce Lee is looking for, um, <laughs> in the Academy. And, um, and, um, you know, I, I think that, that these are, look, perhaps it's just the way of the world, you know, like some right. people, sometimes we just get burned no matter what we do. And sometimes no matter how much of a fair deal we try to give somebody uh, when that person feels stressed or threatened in whatever way um, he or she can always recite it. In- nope. I lost you Mitch. Feeling from someone because someone wants stole from him, you know, it's a ridiculous fucking equation, <laughs> but everybody justifies everything and everybody's always the good guy. We're all the hero of our own story. And I fucking ask myself, um, you know, because here I am singing this beautiful story about, oh, the poor sensitive artists, we get fucked. <laughs> have I done that to other people? Because I would right. not want to do that. But I know there are people out here in the world who think I've done that to them. Right. At least some of the people I've just told these stories about. Right. Yeah. Them. So uh, I have to ask myself, how the fuck do I appear to another? And I hate to say this because I do believe there is some measure of objective um, experience, but maybe there's not. You know, maybe everything is so perceptually based that um, I can guarantee you. You know, the 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 friend, the, uh, the the so-called friend, the person I thought was a friend about whom I was just telling that story earlier, he thinks he's the good guy, and he can right. fucking. That point of view, if he was your guest, he'd be like, "This is what fucking Mitch did," you know. (laughs) So I don't know, you know. But I think it's really important to, I guess I'll I'll, look. I'll just put it this way: Gurjev, the G.I. Gurjev, the spiritual philosopher, you know, he always made the case that relationship was so central to life. We got to fucking treat relationships with considerable care. Um, They're all we have, and uh, I happen to have very few of them because of the reasons that we've been discussing, but uh, they matter and one should behave as honorably as possible.
0: Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you not have a ton of relationships It's not a, con- is it a conscious decision for you or is it like, cause I, I don't have a ton of relationships either, except like a very few, I could probably count on one hand people that I'm close with, including my wife and, and uh, you know, f- family friends maybe, but I've, I never have felt like I wanted a lot of friends. It seems like a natural thing for me too. And I'm, and I'm, I've always been comfortable uh, being alone or, you know, by myself working. And my my mother was like this too. She's like, she enjoyed being alone, you know? Uh, So I wonder how much of it, I was, I guess I was going to ask you is this, this isn't necessarily a conscious decision on your part, but also your nature as far as not having, not being a person that collects tons of friends.
1: It is definitely my nature, but as time passed, as I've aged, it's become conscious, right. and I realize how how little I miss the presence of other people, <laughs> with very few exceptions. <laughs> Obviously, I have a relationship with my children, I have a relationship mm-hmm. with my partner, um, but you know, when it comes to like hardcore intimate, these things uh, relatively little. You know, I mean, I certainly understand the pain of loneliness. I was very lonely uh, as a kid, mm-hmm. as a um, now I'm not lonely, but um, I will feel a little freaky if I spent the whole day in my apartment. Maybe Jacqueline, my partner, is away, and my kids are right. not with me at the particular time. And I spend my whole day in my apartment, and it's seven o'clock at night. I get like a little fucking crazy, and I start chatting <laughs> up, you know, the 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 guy over at the sushi restaurant on the corner. You know, but so I realize that loneliness uh, can present a stress and i really relate to that but at the same time human nature being what it is uh what began as a natural proclivity morphed into a conscious decision as
0: time passed right yeah yeah that makes sense that makes yeah. sense that's kind of my situation as well um so okay I, let's not not to uh, get off track, not that there really was a track in anyway, other than the
1: betrayal. and
0: It's all good. This is what Wish it's all me. about. <laughs> um, I, I, I do want to mention that, uh, you know, uh, I, I've, I've, wa- I, I've been wanting to ask you to come on again since the last time, but I, you know, I don't, I just, I don't want to ask you, I don't want to waste your time and I want to make sure it's worth something to you. And, you know, there's a reason for you to do it. And, I don't want to take your time for granted. So uh, that's why I haven't asked you before before this. Oh,
1: no, I'm, I'm always down for it. Look, I have no friends. What do I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I might be freaking out over here. Just invite me on. You know,
0: okay, so. okay.
1: But it seemed like a good
0: opportunity since we are doing an, an event together at the Philosophical Research Society, and you're doing a, a book signing and lecture two days after at the Philosophical Research Society. And I'm just, I, I'm so appreciative that you agreed to do this. Uh, I'm really well, looking, my pleasure, I'm Really looking forward to it. Um, so, uh, I mean, we still have to kind of figure out how it's going to go, but I, I think that yeah. we we can, I'm not worried about it myself, but. Um,
1: no, I'm very down for it. I can't wait. Um, I'm, I'm so excited to be able to sort of also see your work on the large screen, you know, I imagine you'll be projecting Mm. aspects of your paintings, your sculpture, and it's just so magical and wonderful. And I hope you'll also project images of some of the paintings and sculpture that you've done that maybe have been used in other forms of media, whether it be a movie poster or a band poster of that nature, because I think that... um, I would love to within this uh, visual component of our presentation see a kind of a retrospective of your career.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, that's basically I have I have the the uh I've done this before uh, so I have like a uh, 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 what do you call it that
1: like a not PowerPoint Yeah. The word we all love, load <laughs>
0: Yes. It's like, it's, it's a presentation like that. Like a slideshow yeah, presentation. I do have totally have good. that, it, but it stops at a certain point because I haven't done it in a few years. So I, I need to update it and probably cut it down because it's really long, but I've mm-hmm. got like, you know, stuff from my, my film work. I've got a clip of me in Planet of the Apes, Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes smoking a bong. <laughs> I've me and uh, Rick Baker, who I was working for at the time. He's a He's a chimp. I'm an orangutan and we're passing a hookah pipe around and, and it just goes pans by us. Uh, so
1: that's wonderful. <laughs> I can't wait.
0: It's, it's pretty, pretty funny. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it, it'll, it'll be cool. Um, and you're, and you're releasing your book the following uh, Friday or Saturday. Is it
1: Friday? Friday. Um, so the book comes out uh September, 19th our talk together is September 20th and then I guess my uh, launch of modern occultism is Friday September 22nd so I'll be giving a lecture and signing and so on and, and an exchange you know, cool with the, the attendees
0: so t- can you tell me about your book I'm so excited it's been the freakiest <laughs> journey and I'm
1: I'm so excited about it and um well Okay. The book is, is called Modern Occultism, History, Theory and Practice. And it's a, it's a, it's a history of the occult as a thought movement from, but also as a, as a movement of practitioners, seekers, magicians, um, experimenters, uh, from late antiquity, um, up through the present and, for late antiquity, what I'm really focused on are is the era immediately following uh, the death of uh, Cleopatra in Egypt, which is actually very, very important for the modern occult. Wow! Because most of our conceptions of occultism and most of the conceptions that got reprocessed through the Renaissance occult revival really come from these ear this the I would say the decades immediately following the death of Cleopatra, which was not too off from the death of Christ either, Mm. because at that time, um, Egypt had, by that point, been dominated for hundreds of years by a Greek ruling class that was brought into Egypt by the invading armies of Alexander the Great. And we don't think of Alexander exactly as an invader of Egypt in this very unwanted way, because A lot of Egyptians really dug Alexander because they were being dominated by Persian powers who they really wanted to get rid of. And Alexander came in, uh, this was around 332 BC, and he got rid of the Persian powers. And he, I think it'd be fair to say that to some extent, Alexander was um, Philo-Egyptian. He really dug the Egyptian culture, as did Cleopatra. Even though they were Greek, and even though they did... Uh, Well, Alexander died very shortly thereafter. But even though his his conquering generals and those leaders that replaced the pharaohs, which were known as Ptolemies up until Cleopatra, um, they created a ruling center in the city of Alexandria. And Cleopatra in particular did a lot to revive the mystery traditions in Egypt, which had been on the wane for some time. Mm. There was degradation that had set in. And in Cleopatra's Wake in Alexandria, you had Greek-Egyptian scribes who wrote down a lot of Egyptian esoteric philosophy in literature that we call the Hermetica today. Mm-hmm. And that record, imperfect, late, late, late in Egypt's life, but nonetheless, it was written in an expository language, Greek, that we Westerners can wrap our heads around. And then it got rediscovered, translated into Latin during the Renaissance, mm-hmm. again, you know, early early uh, romance languages that m- most of us have no traffic with, but still traffic th- th- it- languages that are sufficiently expository so that they could be translated, right. they could be understood, they could be grasped to some degree by Westerners. So we think of our occult traditions, as, as people are apt to think of all their religious t- traditions, as being really old. But the truth is, most of them go to late antiquity just because that happened to be a period of time where, I don't know, I suppose you could say so-called West and East were meeting and stuff gotten written down mm-hmm. in ways Westerners, including modern Westerners, could at least begin to get their arms around. So, hence, I start there and I work my way up. I mean, through we're talking Aleister Crowley, you know, chaos magic. um, um Grant Morrison you know and 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 I'm really proud of it because I worked really hard and I cast a very broad net I worked so hard I mean I cannot tell you the number of days <laughs> and nights unshaven in underwear sitting in an apartment pounding at keyboard <laughs> um and I'm I'm happy with it um I'm happy with it and uh it's a long book but not excruciatingly long um it's a detailed book, and it'll be in the eye of the reader whether it's ex- excruciatingly detailed. <laughs> but I wanted to—I really wanted to give people the tools to understand the occult journey as a literary, intellectual, cultural, spiritual uh, movement, which mm. it is, and to explain, you know, what is occultism exactly. Right. And it's not just everything and anything that's novel in the spiritual world or anything that's weird or unusual. It does mean something. It does refer to these. Persian, Egyptian, Greek, Roman traditions that dominated many a, a very large swath of the world, you know, outside uh the the orbit of India, China and then maybe some of the like shamanic cultures in in the the uh, South Pacific, South American basin. I mean, this was the outlook of the world and and there was a great deal of cross-pollination since Rome just felt like invading every place and mm-hmm. you know For all its brutality as a military power was was pretty um, open to different religious ideas and sometimes Roman emperors would borrow them and adopt them Hmm. quite freely or local populations, as long as they paid their tribute to the empire. Um, they were pretty left alone with respect to religious traditions. So Rome did not squelch religious traditions, but did a lot to spread them. Mm. I don't mean to paint a rosy picture like those were the good old days, yeah. you know, because <laughs> its military and taxation apparatus was brutal, but it was it was fairly uh, hands-off with respect to religion and even adopted religion. Mm. So this was part of the whole Western story, and, and it, it vanished with the advent of Christianity and then later with Islam. Well, I mean, it lingered, you know, in, in all kinds of intriguing ways, but with the passage of cent- centuries, the retentions became more and more hidden. So when we call a cult hidden, which is its proper um, etymology from Latin, we're not kidding. Right. And um, mm-hmm. and that also, and those, those the Christian um, apparatus uh, became so dominant in the West, along with Islam uh, in other parts of the world, um, parts of the world that arguably, arguably, could be considered Western, and that they were united for a period of time under the armies of Alexander. But you know that that's broadly speaking. But anyway, our tradition suffered a discontinuity, a schism, and so the story in the West, the occult story, is a very distinct one. Uh, whereas our other parts of the the, the human community didn't really have that schism. You know, like if, if you grew up in India, you're part of a religious tradition mm-hmm. in Hinduism that really goes back to deepest antiquity. Right. Um, Buddhism, insofar as it's an offshoot from Hinduism, likewise goes back to deepest antiquity. And in other nations, like China might be said to be officially atheistic, and so it is, so it is. But there's um, there's Shinto, there's animism, there's ancestor worship, there's Taoism,
0: mm-hmm. there's
1: Confucianism. I mean these things are as old as the human story, the I right. e Ching, as mm-hmm. old as the human story. So it's not, it's just a different, it's just a different set of circumstances that we in the West have. Our religious story continued for millennia and then got very sharply um, experienced a very, very sharp discontinuity. And that those foundational faiths that existed before that discontinuity um largely are are what we have adapted, uh attempted to revive as, as occultism. So in that sense, occultism is really a revivalist thought movement. So I've really made an effort in this book to to tell that story through what I think are some of its brightest lights. And um, it it could not be a more exciting project for me. It's the culmination of, I think, damn near everything, you know, I've been working on for the past some odd years.
0: Yeah, it seems like it. It seems like uh, the the base layer of everything, you know, everything's led up to this for you in a way. You know, it's the history of everything you've been talking about all these years, you know. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting to think that. So, so what we, what, you know, from from a uh, an uneducated person uh, like me, or um, casually educated, you know, self educated, <laughs> um, independently, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, we it, 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 occultism is like, oh, it's always been this secret tradition that's always been beneath. The mainstream but um what you're saying is that it's like this was this was mainstream uh what, what is a cult now was mainstream it was the norm for everyone back then
1: absolutely what a trip what a trip it's wild. And, you know and <laughs> you think of all these households countless numbers of people they had their household gods their local gods or maybe they were dedicated to the sun god soul invictus maybe they were dedicated to jupiter you know um and it this history is messy. Like, uh, you know, we think of the the Roman Emperor Constantine supposedly converted to Christianity in 312 or 313 AD, and that is true. But Constantine also would combine Christianity with sun worship. It wasn't exactly like what we know today, to put it mildly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, on the steps of St. Peter's Basilica, well into the 5th century, pilgrims would turn to honor uh, uh, Jupiter, you know, who sometimes was conflated with the sun and Bishop said to say, hey, no more ceremonies to Jupiter on the steps of St. Peter's. So, (laughs) not a particular problem at the Vatican today. (laughs) And um, so, the ancient world did combine these things for a long, long time. Uh, It was a dramatic schism, but the schism developed across many, many, many generations.
0: Yeah, you know, when you mentioned that, uh, it made me think that the way I practice my own occult spirituality it's like it feels natural and normal it doesn't feel like a weird secret thing I'm doing it feels like like I always think why isn't everybody doing that doing this it's it just seems so normal like and it just feels natural like to you know maybe it's as simple as uh, uh, every day in every way I'm feeling I'm getting better and better and things like that and just like as simple as setting your t- intention or, or stopping and going, this is the result I want. And sort of like knowing that just having that intention, there's power, there's some power behind that. And the more you can focus that, the more likely you are to achieve that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yes. cause it's like, I, I, I all, every day I'm like, you know, making an, uh, making a concerted effort, you know, uh, a few times a day just when I think about it, like, oh, I need those paintings to sell so I can pay this bill. It's like, you know, like thinking about it, knowing that, thinking that has power.
1: And it it does have power. I, I've never been so persuaded that there's a causative dimension to our thoughts. Mm-hmm. I've also never been so persuaded that our thoughts are not the only game in town, that we experience all kinds of laws and forces. And that's why I have to, um, that's why I so assiduously avoid the term law of attraction or manifest not because i'm averse to using popular language not at all
0: mm-hmm. but
1: but those usages very often suggest one mental super law right and that's not my point of
0: view that doesn't seem but, yeah that doesn't seem realistic <laughs> when you yeah. think about the complexity of reality just to, you There's know so much y- yeah
1: well, you know like you know we all agree yeah gravity is constant based on what we know right. whatever the <laughs> gravity may be, (laughs) might I say, which seems to be mass attracted to itself. But based on everything we know, okay, so gravity reduces um, uh, on another planet. Gravity is this way when you're on a roller coaster. Gravity is this way when you're doing this. Uh, We know this. Um, So even though that's an omnipresent law, we accept that it's going to be affected by surrounding circumstances why would a law of mind necessarily be different?
0: You know? Yeah. 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 I was, uh, I, I, you know, I'm always looking on, on uh, YouTube, I guess really. Cause I, cause I'm spending, I spent so much time at the easel and I've got uh, a TV here. So it's like, I'll, I'll watch uh, occultists or, you know, people talking about this sort of thing on YouTube. Um, <clears throat> and I, I found someone and I was like, Oh, I, I dig what they're saying. This is kind of cool. And, the more I was watching, the more it's like they have the, the, the accumulation of, of what they're saying is um, this is the one answer, you know, and yeah. it's like, and it's like, this is it. It, it, it. And it's like, that just seems so naive in a way to think that there's yeah. this one thing, this real, you know, it, 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 it to me, it, it's like, it makes sense what this person is um, presenting it's like, okay, that's, uh, that makes sense to me kind of on an intuitive level, but it doesn't feel like that's the only answer to this or, or the only dimension. Like it's, it's just, it's so vast. And, and, and in a a sense it's, uh, uh, you, you know, it's kind of, um, uh uh you know it's so human to try and put things in a small box that you can understand and the you know the the the, the truest adage ever i think is is uh we don't know shit you know <laughs> we don't yeah. and and it's like you can't we can't know everything you know it's like it's the, the reality is so huge it's so it's so it's beyond comprehension. That's the way it seems to me. It, it's yeah. it, it, that's what makes it God or whatever. That's what makes it amazing. that what's that's what makes it infinity. it's be it's beyond uh what we can comprehend in our minds. And I mean, this is not some great realization, but but uh any any kind of belief system that boils things down to this is the one answer to me yeah. that that automatically tells me they're missing something or they're missing a, a lot I don't know
1: yeah I, and I have to um it seems to me that um, there's very little within the extra physical experience that repeats or repeats precisely in the same way and I was reading a very good book by a parapsychologist um called the trickster and the paranormal and uh he's just brilliant and uh, i'm afraid his name is escaping me um let me see if i can look it up because uh he's such a fine fine thinker he really deserves to have his name uh spoken um so i'm gonna yeah uh, if i may you know break through the Look, go, uh,
0: look it up uh, uh, let me uh, take this opportunity
1: wall and you know go on to my <laughs> oh. <laughs> my
0: box here uh, uh, uh you, you look for it and I'll, I'm gonna say uh uh, uh you know I, I that doesn't mean I don't believe that there are foundational principles of magic yes. and reality I'm just my point was that Oh,
1: here we go George P Hansen sorry, sorry to description uh okay what was his name George P Hansen the trickster and the paranormal and Hansen who i've never met was a parapsychologist is a parapsychologist for many many decades and he validates the basic data but he also says you know it's it's very very difficult to replicate or map out this data in mm-hmm. a way that is satisfying to us as western rationalists okay. because there is a there seems to be by nature an inconsistency to the data and an inconsistency to even some of the, the subjects who, you know, half the time seem able to perform, half the time seem unable to perform. Mm-hmm. And, of course, a cynic or uh, a pseudo skeptic would look at that and say, well, that's because you guys don't have anything. Right. And if George were on this call, I think he would probably agree with me. No, no, we do have something because we have stats as good as any. You could throw out our whole statistic, our whole Protocols for gathering stats, and that might be a worthy conversation. But as long as we have these protocols, we've played by the rules and we have scored. But it's very frustrating that it 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 ain't um, it's not electrical engineering. Right. You know, it doesn't respond to the exact same set of circumstances in the exact same way right. with the exact same people. And you know, I think Hansen felt at the conclusion of his book that. There's ultimately and always going to be a uneven ambiguity to this problem, right and and one of the things I really admire too about what Hansen does is he he reviews the careers of some of the people who had had dedicated their lives, such as the now deceased Martin Gardner, uh, to debunking uh, the paranormal. and um, and I think he's very generous in reviewing their careers. Uh, more generous than I am. And I admire that about the man. Um, but uh, but his attitude is, look, I, I, I've dedicated my life to this. And apropos of what you were just saying, he's like, even when you try to narrow your focus down to just an area that you would hope would be as simple and as basic as trying to test for a certain kind of result under certain kind of conditions, uh, it doesn't the 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 data does not always cooperate you know in the right. way that you would want and uh, we get to see this with special clarity in parapsychology because in fact there are a lot of people conducting experiments over and over cuz what the skeptics cannot understand is that the field is filled with very dedicated people mm-hmm. who really work incredibly hard often without pay and on their own time right. to replicate these experiments cuz they care um as opposed to you know, other experiments that perhaps we would benefit from rerunning or we would be horrified by their rerunning, that might discover that some of our most popular pharmaceuticals, after all, don't work or show a declining effect. Mm-hmm. And this has been written about too. There was a very good article about this in Wired magazine some years ago. Um, if we were to rerun all of our experiments in the social sciences and Pertinent to certain psychopharmacological substances, as well as probably many other pharmaceuticals besides, like analgesics. Uh, as frequently as people have rerun the data in ESP research, we might be fucking mortified by right. <laughs> how little we really know, not just about spirituality, but about aspirin. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, we know so little. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as much as we're able to do these miracles, you know we're using binary code to talk to one another in real time and other people will watch this and right it's so incredible it really truly is yeah. and yeah we know so little
0: yeah yeah it, it feels like to, to me on like a uh you know one of the 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 principle the principle hermetic principle of as above so below and, and kind of yeah. like the 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 polarities of of reality um the the two the two polarities it seems like the, the knowable and the unknowable are always going to exist uh, therefore f- because because there is the knowable there will always be the unknowable you know what i
1: mean wonderful point point. and aristotle would have to fucking agree with that <laughs> right i mean I this whole thing is absolutes you <laughs> right know, right right presented an aristotelian absolute <laughs> that violates aristotle in a certain sense because it's everything is knowable but you're as either real or fake air or are authentic and you've just said well if the world is divided into absolutes then you have to abide the opposite there is the unknowable by nature
0: yeah so, I, I i i i it's funny because i uh i i came upon i remember coming upon the the realization that that uh that everything is 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 uh divided into polarities when i was um uh, you know a young man. I remember all of a sudden, kind of realizing that, and then putting everything into uh, the two categories. You know, the two po- po- uh, polar opposites, and, and like, yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's it seems like a, a step in the process of of someone's spirituality, maybe. Um, Uh, It seemed like a revelation to me at the time, you know, it's like, oh man, everything, you could put everything into one of these two categories and it's like, (laughs)
1: I I went through the same things. I got this tattoo. I don't know if you can see it. Can't hold it up. A is a, you know, that it's sort of a Aristotelian formula that was made, made by Rand. I can't show it very well. (laughs) Sorry, but you'll have to trust. Yeah, I can see, I can see it. Yeah. So no sooner do I get an idea that there's a tattoo and you know, <laughs> I don't mind, you know, it's like, sometimes I'll move off from that and people will say, well, now you got to walk around with it. And it's like, it doesn't bother me in the slightest because it, it marks a point in my life. Right. You know, it was valuable to me, even if I've moved on
0: from yeah, it. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a, a, a great a- attitude to have. Um, it did, so when writing this book, did you approach it? i don't know how how is it different than your the, your other books did you kind of approach it the same way i imagine that uh having all of that experience f- from all of the 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 previous books you've written you know when you get the better you get it's a skill like writing painting whatever it's like every time you do it again like the big one if i do a show uh you're 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 better than you were the last time you're able to you know um um uh, do things more efficiently and and things are always changing because they're always growing but um was your approach similar did you you know i i I wouldn't even know how to start approaching a project like this is it a bunch of reading of of other uh occult history books and i mean i don't know to me it's like it kind of blows my mind how you would even do something like this
1: well thank you you know it it began there were there were two different aspects that converged one was i taught this 12-part course for the theosophical society of america which you were in on modern occultism Mm. and um and that was a 12-part course i don't know precisely how the gestation of that came about but i knew that when i was teaching it i was going to hold myself to a very high standard and not permit myself to only deal with the familiar up to that point in my search that i had to go much much Mm. much much further and delve into the historicism of people and movements that i had not necessarily uh, spent a great deal of time on and i had to reverse that situation but but you
0: like that uh, though right I love it. Yeah. You know, that
1: to me, it seems like you, demanding.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But, but you know, that, that I had to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah.
1: As I was working on that, probably somewhat concurrent with that. I was writing my book, daydream believer, which was my best effort to come to a, um, a reckoning as much as I could with some of the mind metaphysics material that you and I were just discussing. Mm-hmm. And one of my chapters in that book was called the the parapsychology revolution, and it was about just that—you know—the the the efforts made to test for ESP, clairvoyance, precognition, telepathy—and I thought to myself, this chapter is going to have to be a unique effort on my part in terms of sourcing, because the uh, the 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 skeptics and the pseudo skeptics always have knives out, and if I'm going to address this material, I have to build this chapter as solidly as you would build uh, a suspension bridge. Mm-hmm. Just everything has to be right. And so I made that effort. And that effort informed the effort that I brought into modern occultism. And then I had the lectures transcribed into a regular prose. But that is really just an exercise in creating an outline because right. spoken word and written word are dramatically yeah different, dramatically different. Mm -hmm. And there's a terrible incompletion to most contemporary spoken word. Maybe this wasn't true in antiquity, but it's certainly true today. There's an incompletion in most spoken word that does not abide translation to the written page. Mm -hmm. So I used it as an outline, but I reworked it tremendously. And I made such an effort at every stage to bring the fullest possible reckoning I could to all the key figures involved. I'm certain that I've left people out, but my hope is that thematically I covered everything thematically. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I I just didn't know I could do it. You know, I, I, certain Mm -hmm. chapters went well, and I thought, gee, I'm doing great. And then other chapters were very, very hard. Mm -hmm. And then when I finished the whole thing, I found, tremendous gaps in incompletion um and i had to really go back and 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 reckon with things that i maybe had been saying or writing or thinking for years and years that were incomplete or uh, that just didn't fully really stand up hmm. you know so that's how i got there
0: yeah yeah it seems so, you uh you love what you do obviously i mean otherwise you wouldn't be doing yeah. it so i imagine um uh when the, when an opportunity like this comes around you you relish the idea of just digging in and doing all the research. Uh, I mean, I know when I, when I uh, of course I always relate everything to painting and art, my artwork because <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you know when I have like say a theme, if I want to if I'm doing a show that's based on a mm. theme, I really mm. enjoy the idea that I'm going to I have to learn all this new stuff. Uh, yeah. you know I did a show on Lil, uh, Lilith themed show and it was so much fun to really get into the uh and learn you know get in get in it because i love reading and i love learning and uh um so i imagine um you know this must have sounded whether it was whether it was fun or not it must have seemed like it was going to be super fun when you had the idea to do it <laughs> well you know it was
1: it was fun it was ball busting yeah you know, it,
0: yeah but that's how the really satisfying stuff is it's fun but it's also painful and difficult at times it has to be it has right? to be yeah um,
1: I was. I remember. There's a small section of the book where I'm writing about um, Enoch, the figure of Enoch in the apocryphal tradition, the Old Testament tradition, the Gnostic tradition, because people are just fascinated with the, this figure of Enoch, who's very enigmatic, mm-hmm. makes a brief appearance in Genesis, ancestor to Noah. Um, you know, one of the one of the kind of last of that Edenic line before Scripture goes off elsewhere and. And, and, and of course, he has a big presence in the apocryphal literature, um, just to drive us all, just to drive the human race fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> there's more than one patriarch named Enoch so that we all can, like, you know, beat our heads against the wall, kind of like Roman emperors <laughs> taking the same name. Uh-huh. just <laughs> how many Herods do there need to be in the ancient world you know plenty apparently um, and uh, so so you know you you have these different Enochs and and anyway uh, sorting that all out was tough and I sorted it out with as as much clarity as possible because I also realized that many historians are so familiar with this material that they don't realize how unfamiliar the, the reader is mm-hmm. and they don't take the time to abide definitions or to explain why you know do we number the hermetica uh i beg your pardon why do we number the corpus hermeticum one to 18 and where the fuck is number 15 it's missing and what is it and why is it missing and when right. did it come and go and these things can be explained but it does take tremendous effort and um and and historians rarely put in that effort because to them it's all inside baseball. Like they know the answer. Right. Don't pay attention to the fact that like my neighbor Mike doesn't know the answer and Mike wants to know. Mm-hmm. So I had to I had to really double back quite a bit and make sure I was explaining things because um, um, I find even having read for years in these areas there are things that are neglected and uh, they're neglected because people are writing with a guild mentality. And they're not thinking of the end reader who doesn't know this, you know, why this would be the case. And, um, and I think, and, and I don't know, you know, because the, the, the literature doesn't make it clear. And sometimes you have to go back in and on occasion throw away the literature and just do your own primary research, which I've done plenty of myself. And, um, and that's where the rubber hits the road, you know, I mean, that's where the rubber hits the road, um, getting into how the Hebrews used the term Satan and what they meant by it right because a lot of people don't write that stuff down and um and 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 the original Hebraic concepts of Satan had a very big effect on Western culture even though it changed a great deal mm-hmm. and uh, much more ambiguous when the Hebrews used it much more ambiguous than say a thousand years later still an ancient, when the church fathers were like, he's the bad guy. And it's like the Hebrews are like, no, we're not so sure. And, uh, <laughs> it's very interesting, you know, and yeah. sometimes you got, you got to throw out the books and you got to go back to the texts. Um, and uh, I made that effort. Did, did you, uh,
0: were you studying uh, uh, the magical systems as much as you were studying the history of the magical systems? You know what I mean? Because it's like you can yeah, you can yeah. read books about people that know about the magical systems and the history of, of these different systems. And then there's the, the books themselves. You know what I mean? Yes. And, yes. Uh how how much did you uh,
1: uh I did both. Yeah. Um uh, I must admit, I it ceremonial magic is tough for me. It's not in my maybe it has something to do with my childhood. Um, I grew up in a childhood that was very, very heavy on religious liturgy ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I moved away from it in my early thirties. And when I encountered ceremonial magic, John D. Crowley, mm-hmm. I honored it, but it's not my path. Right. But I did do my best to go back into the guts of those systems so that I could demonstrate also how incredibly hard <laughs> Excuse me, how incredibly hard the classical magician worked. Like I I I use some, I try to go through some of what um John D and um uh his collaborator uh, Edward Kelly did. Uh there's a, a cult scholar, I don't personally know him, but I admire his work, Stephen Skinner, who recreated some of the 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 D. Kelly um rituals mm-hmm. and the level of effort that these people put in uh it's just not like what we know in modernity right know? so i try to recreate some of that just to give people a sense of how hard this really was for people how dedicated they really were you know
0: so i uh it sounds like you i mean again we have i think a, a similar perspective on magic you know like i i i know some people really get into the ceremonial yeah ritual you know, just buy the book, follow the rules, and you'll get the result. And uh, 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 I, I also am kind of like, I don't know. It makes me feel lazy, but it's not. It's it's more like, it's it's, it's not laziness as much as I feel like you should be going towards the thing that grabs you and is like, this is like this is what you should be doing. You know, I do. The, I I've done. Plenty of the um the the rituals and kind of the ceremonial work, you know. I'm not like some great magician by any stretch of the imagination. It's like I'm always, what do I need it? What do I need to get out of this? <laughs> you know, like yeah. practical. I'm very practical with it, and it's like I'll Stay. kind of and I'll kind of do that. Um, but to me the the and I and I just talked about this. Uh, I, I last episode was uh, uh talking about uh, talking with a friend of mine who's an amazing artist named ryan peterson who um we talked about the exorcist and uh just because of freak him dying recently and um Mm -hmm. it was it was a really cool episode but um uh this came up for some reason the idea that you know the thing that i'm called to in that way is is the altar of the easel you know that's the thing where it's like and, and it's, and it made me realize that's, it's like, that's really my magic system is my, my artwork. And, and, and if I'm going to uh, tailor things, maybe to get a certain results, I, I probably should do it more th- through the artwork somehow, you mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. I had, I had, I did kind of design a, um, a ritual to where I, I made a, a, a sigil and put it on a canvas and and painted the sigil out when i painted the painting so and the idea being that all the effort i was putting towards making the painting was obliterating the um the uh, sigil and so i was just i had the idea in my mind that the intention because the concentration is so great when you're painting, just like it is with writing that i was it's like okay all that concentration is going to manifest this thing Mm-hmm. And, and, and it worked, you know, it definitely worked. I got the result I was looking for, which is a very like grounded, practical um, thing I needed um, to, to have happen. And so, I mean, you know, I feel like you should always go towards your, your spiritual path is to, is the thing that grabs you and won't let go. You know, yes and and I do that and 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 if you're into like uh, spirituality and magic you find a way you know this is where i think the idea of chaos magic is really useful to where you can kind of like design things to to suit you personally and um you know find the thing that grabs you and incorporate that into your practice somehow or make that your yes. practice in a way you know what i mean
1: I, I totally resonate with that. And um, for some people, I reckon that's hard, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe, maybe that's what results in like um, hitting drugs too much or hitting the bottle too much or whatever, because we're looking for that ecstatic experience. It's very hard to find. Mm-hmm. And so pissing away time, you know, just, just, just binge watching stuff or, you know, hitting weed like constantly. Mm-hmm. I think... Probably that can happen. Um, And for me, I mean, I can't tell you how fortunate I feel to be able to dedicate my time to writing. I mean, I am so infinitely happier than I was back when I was in my publishing days when I was spending a great deal of my time just getting other people to do their shit, you know, rather than my own shit. And um, the happiness factor, it could not be great. Yeah. could not be greater.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. as As much as I, as much as I saw su- you know, there's a lot of suffering involved in in my life just because of, you know, it's hard to be be an artist to make a living and be yeah. self employed. Uh, with all the suffering, it's still the best. You know, <laughs> I yeah. would never go back. Yeah. I would never go back unless I absolutely had to. I'd never go back to the forty hour week job. I'd rather work 80, eighty hours a week doing my thing. You know, without question.
1: Uh, and of course, you know, there's, there's painfulness. You get misunderstood, but mm-hmm. you get misunderstood in life, no matter what. Yeah. You right. Know, right. Understand us all the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. yeah. So I, I don't, you know, wasn't it, it didn't, I, 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 I've said this before the, the, um, um, on the podcast and it's like, I heard someone say it once and I haven't been able to find the actual source material, but I think it was Crowley said that, um, uh, every the artists are are better than the greatest magicians
1: oh i've never come across
0: that that's i think it was maybe jason louv said that at one point okay and and it, and, and of course you know it's a, a bit of hyperbole but um but but uh you know that it, it got me thinking also about like the creative act is a magical act it's the same thing without question
1: I mean, to me, you are a wizard because I'm looking at your workshop as much as I'm capable of seeing it <laughs> on a camera. And, you know, I mean, it looks like a smelting factory. You know? Yet, I'm also looking at some of the paintings that you've done that are that are over your shoulder. And there's this pristine, beautiful quality to them. And, you know, here you're sort of in the belly of a freighter ship, you know, with all the. That's what the it feels like. And the coal and the, you know, smudges and everything. And, and, and yet, you know, the, 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 the Creation that emerges from that is this sleek, smooth, beautiful creation. And the, the the end user, your audience member, he or she loves it, but doesn't know that, like, oh my God, you know, the wizard is sitting inside of this grotto that's filled with fumes and smoke oh, yeah. and smudge and oils. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, um, I hope, hopefully, you know, you've got a good ventilation yeah. system for this chest. But the, the outcome is so sleek and smooth and beautiful. And it, it, there is magic to it. There's also magic on a movie set. You know, I've oh, seen yeah. the same yeah. thing. I mean, I mean
0: yeah. you know,
1: I yeah. watched Jack Lane shoot her movie, My Animal. And um, I mean, the the effort that they have to go through just to get that one shot. Yeah. And so um, one of the uh, uh, the lead actor on the film, B- Bobby Salbor Menuez, uh, Bobby is a fucking brilliant um actor and their performance in the film is incredible Mm -hmm. and i remember having this wonderful occasion where i was on set this was in northern ontario in a town called Timmins, which is 400 miles south of the arctic circle fucking cold as hell (laughs) you know the middle of january um and they're in a hockey arena and um bobby is making facial expressions Uh, to respond euphorically to a figure skater that she's uh, that they're watching there's no figure skater there Mm -hmm. there's no figure skater there the camera is just on bobby's face and bobby's making these expressions and these expressions as you will see when you see the film are 100 percent persuasive 100 Mm percent persuasive and there is magic in this yeah the, the, the actor is looking at, at at nothing, and yet without much in the way of rehearsal, with it being goddamn freezing, and it's four o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. Amazon, and they deliver their performance, and it's magic. Yeah.
0: How is that different from calling upon a spirit or a god and asking asking them to em, em, uh, embody, uh, or what do you call it, uh, in... in uh, there's in invoke is it invocation or ev- evocation? There's one one of one of those is where you call the spirit into your body yeah. to really kind of help you if you're you know if you need to help speaking. There's a there's a god
1: that's good. Beautifully put, right? What else is inspiration? Yeah, you know, yeah, right, mean, right. Precisely right. what it is, but it's like, and it, that's what the Romans believed. You know, they 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 refer to. I mean, in in Arabic they use the term genie. It right. comes from from the Latin. Uh, the plural is genii um genie or genii inhabits the individual to give him or her abilities at a given that's how they saw it they were probably correct
0: yeah and that's like you know again this came up also on the podcast last week is is this idea that there's these different uh like there's there's the art god and then there's the uh sub there's these sub gods there's the the still life art god there's the monster art god there's these different or spirits or whatever and it's like in order to to uh uh uh, create like a really amazing still life painting or a really amazing piece of dark art or a really amazing landscape you have to allow yourself to be possessed by the spirit of that that thing that genre that you're painting it where like your 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 um uh work is like the the uh historian occult historian god which there is one i don't know what it would be but it's like there are spirits to all of these things like every every book you read every genre every every different kind of genre of writing and art and creativity and music it's like there's the punk rock god it's like you know you know it when you hear it and um it, it's, it, 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 hits certain notes and the only way to create it in a truly inspired way is to let that thing come in. Mm-hmm. And it's That's like, right. we don't even, I mean, I didn't, uh, I've never thought of it that way, uh, up until, I don't know, recently, but it's like, I've been doing it all my life. That's what you do when you allow yourself to be taken over by an idea and, and, and dedicate yourself to expressing it in the best way you can possible. You're giving yourself over to this spirit. Yes. You know, yes. and and it's, and it's, to me, it's like the, the ceremonial magic is, is written for the average person that doesn't have already have that kind of connection that I think creative people have naturally. And I don't want to sound elitist, but because that's not what, what I mean, you know, I believe that everybody really does have access, but I think that, uh, or access to these things, but, um, you know it's just like anything you have people have more uh natural acuity for certain things you know yeah
1: it's, i mean i i i guess i definitely grok that some people function well with congregational spirituality mm-hmm. you know speaking in terms of the mainstream i mean i've seen people get ecstatic in baptist services i see i've seen um hasidic jews uh display tremendous emotion you know during their liturgy so i i definitely grok to that and um if I met somebody who grew to uh ceremonial magic in a way that that's summoned in him or her, those emotions, I'd be like more power to you, you know, be my guest. Mm-hmm. It's not that I definitely prefer the solitary path. Um, and, and I, I'm open. I'm, I mean I'm open to the congregational path insofar as if I find people I trust, um, I'll do it with them. Like every fifth person I meet asks me, have you taken ayahuasca? Have you taken ayahuasca? I have not taken ayahuasca only because I have not found a community. Right. Which to take it that I trust. Right. And I think this sort of goes back to what we were discussing at the beginning of our exchange. Be really, really careful who you hand your trust to. I've, I've certainly in spiritual situations handed my trust to people who didn't warrant it. And, um, I, I would not do that again, yeah. uh, I hope, unless it was just by sheer accident. Yeah, I think we all have to be really careful of the theatricality of the spiritual world, and when you're meeting a guru or a minister or a therapist, for that matter, or whoever it is, there's a power dynamic there, and there's a theatricality there where that person is st- Set up in the scenario as the man with the plan, right. and I don't know how that feels because I've had some people look to me as like the man with the plan, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm not the man with the plan. I'm the seeker. <laughs> right. And if we can exchange uh, fruitfully, great. But um, people will quickly take advantage of that, even against their own self-assessment. I've seen people in spiritual situations be given a piece of authority, and suddenly they're dictatorial, and their judgment is very poor. Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't deserve the authority because they, 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 they just their judgment isn't equal to it. And yeah. it ain't easy when you're in the woods and you're on a weekend trip and the so-called group leader is somebody whose judgment isn't equal to his authority. You got to figure out well now what the fuck do I do? Right, hike out of here and take a greyhound home? Do I you know <laughs> have an open revolt? You know, and those are questions that. Uh, an individual may have to face by, by him or herself. But I do think it's very important to be very careful about handing over trust.
0: Yeah. I, I, I guess the, the point I was uh, getting at with the, the, the uh, Mm -hmm. ceremony ceremonial magic tradition is that I, I, I've heard that uh, chaos magic and and, uh, uh, is more suited to artists and creative type people. And I feel like ceremonial magic is just for everybody, not necessarily creative people. So it's very rote, uh, you know, uh, 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 a very uh, by rote and, and and like uh, uh, rigid and structured because anybody can do that. You know, any, Mm. anybody, anybody can do that and get the results. And so I don't, you know, I hate to say it because I feel like it makes me sound kind of, uh, I don't know, kind of, kind of an asshole or something, but, but I, (laughs) but but I feel like, like, I, I don't, I feel like I don't need that, you know, and
1: and, I, I I, I totally, I agree to what you're saying.
0: I use it and I use things from it for sure, but I don't feel like I have to do the whole thing and, and just totally follow the, the structure because it's like, it, It's part. It's kind of. I have it sort of naturally uh, in. It's ever since I've been a kid. It's kind of naturally been there, and my mom kind of taught me. And it's a little more like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Go ahead. What you're gonna say? No,
1: it's interesting. I mean, I I tried in the book to see it from both sides. Like, I would get very frustrated with the Golden Dawn tradition, for example, because Mm -hmm. it's so stratified and it's so steeped in ceremony, and some of it, frankly, seems sui generis. You know, just something that's drummed up by these guys almost independent of of their own preferences at a certain point
0: right and yeah it's super I, christian I, I, too it's like very christiany very,
1: can we come back to that in a yeah, second yeah <laughs> please hold that thought but I, I quote from an occult scholar who i respect very deeply i don't know him personally named donald tyson and tyson apparently is much more sympathetic perhaps than i am
0: to mm-hmm. the
1: golden non-tradition and he defended um s l mcgregor mathers and some in particular, and said, you know, he he felt that Mathers was psychically led and that the secret chiefs are perhaps incorporeal uh, intelligences with whom Mathers was in touch. And I quote him because I feel like that point of view deserves to be represented. It's not my point of view. But Tyson is a great intellect in my estimation. Again, I don't know him. I'm speaking just from his work, which I admire. Um, he did some yeoman's work, translating some early tarot writings that were very important and uh, from french to english and um i felt like i need to give credit you know to that perspective as well mm-hmm. but what you just said is so important that it's very christian and that has colored the new age tremendously right the new age is very christian mm-hmm. even though the new age is is in many respects ecumenical and is very comfortable with buddhism and hinduism and 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 interpretations of um Interpretations of the UFO thesis as uh, spiritual in in nature, which I'm I'm fine with, um, and I'm happy for people to explore that. Um there is a light versus dark, uh good versus evil um quality to it mm-hmm. that is is not exactly Gnostic because you know what I've described could be seen as the Gnostic uh, uh, quest, but the Gnostic quest finds its solution in in transcendence, we'll say, Mm -hmm. whereas the Christian quest finds its solution, yeah, to some degree in transcendence, but Christendom as practice has always had its eye on how to structure the outer world. I don't think you could run a village on Gnosticism, Mm. um, but you could damn well (laughs) run a village for good or bad with, with practicing Christianity. <laughs> right. And so the new age um is, does tend towards a a, a, a Christian stratification. Gnostic, under Gnosticism, I suspect, especially contemporary interpretations of it, it's much easier to just leave people alone mm-hmm. and go about on your search and hope that you will break through Ah, uh, the Matrix, or take the right color pill, whichever—I always forget whichever one is supposed to be blue or red. Which is the good one? I don't know. I mix them up. But take that and and see something, glean something that's that's outside the Matrix or the meat sack world uh, that we live in, as 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 Miguel Connor puts it. But but with Chris Christianity as practiced. Um, historically it has been much, and maybe because there was no discontinuity as the word for Gnosticism, there is, there are arrangements to be made in outer life that are more pronounced than what you find within contemporary iterations of Gnosticism. And those arrangements color new age culture and, uh, and color occult culture. And I've had people who have kicked me out of organizations or canceled talks or write me a pissy letter or something. Because they're operating from that Abrahamic Christian outlook that says we have got to organize life in such a way that there's a higher and lower here too, not just in the world we can see, but in the world that we, that we see. And those who speak for what they perceive as the lower, all artifice, um, has to be dealt with in the world. And, um, there is a, there is a, um, quality of Christendom that 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 hovers over the new age and the occult culture and that you very rightly identified within the golden dawn tradition too i do not like and i write about this in the book i don't like the divisions that the golden dawn made between white and black magic i don't believe in those divisions. i don't think not only do they not suit our era at this time but i just don't believe in those stratifications yeah yeah
0: yeah And, and, and it feels like you know that's that's a good point it feels like it's incompatible with with modern times, because it seems like all around us, one thing that's happening is a a, a breakdown of traditional hierarchical structures, and really a breakdown of uh polarity type thinking. And and mm-hmm. you look at it with you know with uh 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 the whole idea of different new genders and people not identifying. Right. It's like. And even if you look at like politics, it's like there's you know it's not it's not left or right anymore. It's like everything is mixed up, and people that used to be left are totally far right now somehow. But they still have some left. It's just like it's all falling. It's it's like disintegrating. But I think that that's like uh, uh, it's you know I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. It's just kind of the way things are happening now it's like the new reality is not uh it's not as structured it's not as hierarchical in a way and it seems like the old structures uh uh, that that traditionally would run things are 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 based on that that old kind of super hierarchical structure and it i don't know it feels like it's breaking down to me um on a social level at least you know
1: it, it's it's definitely breaking down and we don't know what's going to replace it there's simply right. no telling. I mean That's uh the fun part know, that, yeah, like this week the republicans are um having their first primary debate Wednesday right. night I don't know when the episode is coming out forgive me for time stamping our episode uh, it's going to come out like, uh Wednesday it's
0: going to come out oh, so okay. tonight tonight it's the otherwise people are like
1: what, is what I was talking about um <laughs> we now live under the scrolls. What does he mean? <laughs> but but the, okay, so the Republicans are having their debate and Trump is skipping it and mm-hmm. people are saying, you know, he's afraid, he's this, he's that. I have no idea what he thinks since he's stopped returning my emails. But <laughs> I, I think, you know, what he's doing, it seems to me, is he's showing that he's bigger than the Republican Party. Right. And he may succeed with that. He may fucking succeed with yeah. that. He may be like, look, you guys, I got the nomination. I didn't need to rely on your bullshit, you know. And then we'll see what happens to the general. But that's just one example of how this stuff is breaking down like that would have been unthinkable yeah, five years yeah ago. yeah and um you know so we don't know what's replacing this and you know the 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 breakdown between cultural politics and economic politics i believe is is felt and we don't know quite where that's going mm-hmm. and it's very very hard to sp- we can still speak in terms of left-wing, right-wing, and everybody has a general conception of what we're all talking about together. But ours is the last generation, I believe, for which that's true. Mm. I think Probably for the next 30 years or so, that language will be reasonably consensual but but we may be entering the very last phase of modernity where that language is consensual cuz it's breaking down right now and i see no reason why that would stop i right. mean didn't so, newton tells us motion continues unless something stops it well what's going to stop it right um, french revolution is done we're <laughs> not going back to that precisely there's going to be something else i presume but trends usually continue unless there's a reason why they stop and so if we're seeing that breakdown i'd presume we're going to continue to see it
0: yeah and 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 uh it's you know like you said that's we don't know what's going to replace it which is scary as hell but it's also exciting and the potential could be for something good to replace it i mean it's like it's it's totally it, anything could happen <laughs> That's how I feel. It's like anything could happen. You know, that's one thing that you could say about the, the, you know, the Trump era is that everything's out the window. There's nothing you can count on anymore for stability. It's like anything could happen. He could, you know, people are saying there's no way he's going to jail because rich white guys don't go to jail. And it's like, he could, he became president how unlikely and insane was the fact I, that he won. He could go to prison. That could happen too. And that's just as sure. insane. You know, it's like you can't UGV
1: Debs ran for office from prison. And what if he wins from prison? Right, I have no Yeah, idea. yeah. You it's know, like anything is this written down somewhere? It might be. Anything <laughs> I, I could
0: happen have... at this point. And it's just like yeah. it's such a weird
1: it's 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 weird. I I I mean, at this point in my life, and and not everyone is gonna feel this way, and not everyone is gonna resonate with this. I want politics to be boring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, You know, um, one of my kids was talking with my partner, Jacqueline about politics and, you know, this, that, the other thing. And my attitude is I want, I want some gray beneficent policy wonk. (laughs) I want Michael Dukakis, you know, (laughs) you know, like I'm, I want politics to be boring. Yeah. I make I, politics I, boring again. <laughs> exactly. I think when <laughs> political movements are on the march, bad things usually happen because human nature is bad. Right. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not trying to be glib. I mean, I really truly in my heart of hearts I'm not trying to be glib. I I'm, I'm really there is political thought that I I'm, I'm 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 really interested in mm-hmm. and I'm really sympathetic towards I'm interested in the political thought of Francis Fukuyama, the guy who came up with the whole end of history thing, which has been misunderstood and misrepresented, including by people who are smart enough to really know better. And I want there to be a, a, as equitable a society as as we can attain. I don't have health insurance. I, I am goddamn sympathetic to everybody who's in that boat. Mm. And I want to fix it. So it's not as if I want things to be static or stand still. But I also don't trust political movements that are on the march, and there are very, very few political movements on the march. There are some uh, that have happy endings, and I want to be really careful about that. Not that anybody cares what I think. I mean, I'm just one guy. You know, (laughs) things are are part of huge seismic motions that none of us can control.
0: Yeah, yeah. It it feels like, you know it doesn't even matter what you think or what I think. It's just, it's going to happen. Doesn't matter. It's going to happen the way it's going to happen. It's this huge totally. thing. And, 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 uh, you know, I, I, in, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like we're, you know, our main job is to just bear witness, you know, you participate, I agree. you participate however you can. Um, but really it, it seems like, it's just it's just about, yeah, bearing witness. There's something about bearing witness that seems important for some reason. I don't know why, really, but um, it, it seems like that's, I don't know. I feel like our generation maybe is kind of like, or at least the people that are alive now, it's like, this is your job um, to bear witness to whatever's happening,
1: you know, yeah. at least that's yeah. part of our job. Gurdjieff um, would call it a t- attention. I think he meant the same thing. Uh, although attention can be understood in many, many different ways, but he wrote and spoke about how wars and cataclysms, just like earthquakes and tidal waves, are the result of these cosmic forces over which humanity has no knowledge, oh, wow. no control. Uh, there are other cosmic. There are cosmic forces constantly wielding their influences on the planet we can call it whatever we want high tide low tide earthquake right, right it's it it happens beyond our control and we can witness it we can be attentive to it if we're not we are in a degraded a degraded state that um doesn't isn't worthy of the name human so i'm with you i mean i presume i will vote i presume i will do all the things that a person does mm-hmm. to get through life, but ultimately, we're kidding ourselves, perhaps, if we don't acknowledge, like you were saying, that we're just witnessing. Yeah,
0: yeah. Did, did you hear that there was an earthquake here yesterday during the, the tropical storm? Mm-hmm. No, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, we've had we had this crazy tropical storm come in, and it was raining like crazy, <laughs> and an earthquake, and an earthquake on top of it. Right. and it's like right. you know, I was I was listening to someone on uh, talk about it on the news saying that you know it's a common misconception that weather affects earthquakes. It's like they're two different, totally different things. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what are the chances that 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 is just to me? It's it's cosmic. It's like yeah. You know, it's, it's like all of this stuff feels very cosmic to me. The ter- yeah, the turmoil yeah. in the, the climate turmoil and the political turmoil and the online discourse, uh, uh, of people arguing and fighting all the time. It's just, it's, it just seems like, I don't want to say it's all happening for a reason, but it all feels related. It feels like it's the same thing. It's like everything is happening yeah. in that way, in a weird way. Yeah you know? And it's like, I agree. it's like, all you can really do is surf, try and surf the wave, keep your head down and, you know, <laughs> don't get cro- caught in the crossfire in a way and, 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 and try and navigate it, which I think is, uh, I think it's chaos, chaos, magic type, uh, thinking is helpful for that world. I feel like chaos, magic, or are what you you the way you uh you call it what archaic? what was your
1: Oh uh I use the term anarchic magic.
0: Anarchic but- yeah yeah anarchic <laughs> magic. It's like yeah, that's perfect. And it feels like that is the that's the most suitable uh system for a world that's changing so much and so chaotic that you can't get a grasp on anything. The only yeah. answer would be some kind of system that changes with it on the fly you can change it yourself. You can customize it, modify it with, you know what I mean?
1: I do. And, and that's become my approach. It's, it's simply become my approach. I, I've worked hard, studied hard, learned about a lot of different systems. And my wish is for accelerance. My wish is for things to be simple that's one area where I got to hand it to the Christians and the Abrahamic world. Their notion of having a direct relationship with a monotheistic creator was very, very powerful to people in antiquity Mm -hmm. who maybe were fed up with temple systems that over the many, many years had gotten corrupt. And they were perhaps thinking to themselves, you know, enough with the tributes, enough with the tithing, enough with the taxation and you know, it would be naive and partisan in a very shallow, foolish way to say, oh, well, the big bad Christians just came and ruined everything that right. was wonderful <laughs> in the ancient world. There are no good guys and bad guys. Yep. Paganism had undergone a great deal of corruption and problems. And there was a feeling, I think, when the individual encountered the monotheistic direct relationship schema of relief. Like, Wow you mean I don't have to, you know, do this, 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 and right. that, and um, and uh, if you're a Jew, you know, I don't even have to eat kosher food. I, it must have sounded very, very, very liberating,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and although that is not my search, my search does involve a lot of simplicity. I really want to break things down to their most simple. That's part of why ESP research, parapsychology research is so important to me, because if we can warrant through testimony, through models, through theory, and through hardcore data, that there is an extra physical aspect to thought, to psyche, which I I cannot turn away from the evidence for that, then that warranted information, that warranted certainty, confirmation, that there is this extra physical aspect might make it easier for the individual to access that. And, and if that's being the case, and we find this in placebo studies, for example, right. hopeful expectancy, that's the trigger again and again and again. And William James brilliantly made the observation in the late 19th century that he saw no reason why making an appeal to the divine, the creator, the higher God, whatever a person might call it, did not also in that framework increase the effects felt from the 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 source to which that appeal is made. there's no reason why the appeal would not increase the experiences of that source. And so if I'm appealing to myself to other people to place warranted belief in the extra physicality of mind, that in itself may ease the way for mm. us to find a a path to the mind causation that we were talking about, which eases back maybe some of the liturgy and rituals. So I'm about, simplicity at this point in my search.
0: Yeah, that, that's one of the uh things I love that I uh, uh hearing you say and and really kind of like a super profound idea to me was the the clarified wish concept. Yeah. You know because we're taught from childhood that you know wishes are wishes are for fools, you know, it's like <laughs> wishes are bullshit. And so uh <clears throat> you know but that's that really is at the at the core I think of this manifestation or law of attraction or whatever you it's it's you know if you could it seems like i mean have you tested this it seems like if you clearly strongly that's what that's what focusing attention is it's a, that's what a wish is is clear strong focused attention on an objective yes and so i mean but that but it's the most direct simplest yeah. way of doing it it's it you know they say chaos magic clears away all the artifice of uh ceremonial magic but 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 uh, uh an, a clarified wish i think goes below that even
1: i agree completely I, one of the things i explore in daydream believer it comes early in the book um in a way it could have been the ultimate chapter but it, it i didn't want to hide possibilities from people so i think it's it's chapter two is just exactly what you're saying. Maybe, maybe the wish itself is enough. If clarified, if felt with absolute passion, right. maybe that's enough. No second thoughts about it. I mean, we all know what we want. <laughs> yeah. you know, when we feel hungry for food or we feel a sexual appetite or whatever, we're not thinking like, well, maybe there's unintended consequence. We know <laughs> yeah. what we want. You know, there may be things that interrupt that, but if one can come to a wish like that without any um any fighting against addiction. it right, yeah. right. could be very powerful it has been for me
0: yeah so you so you've you've seen this work in your own life
1: well over the, certainly over the arc of of wishing to be a writer mm-hmm. i mean i remember somewhere i tell a story about climbing to the top of this tower this victorian tower right on the banks of the charles river and i knew i wanted to be a writer i knew it with everything in my guts and uh that 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 was effective that was effective yeah yeah
0: i mean i i did it when i was a kid I, that's how i used to see see myself as a painter in a you know dressed like the classical with a smock and holding a palette like in the first grade i remember thinking that yeah <laughs> it was like and it's like you're fantasizing about it and that is putting absolutely. putting uh that's focused attention fantasizing is focused attention
1: beautifully put fantasizing mm-hmm. is focused attention absolutely absolutely um and it worked. I mean, look, you're seated in your studio. We're doing this thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> it worked. <laughs> one time I had the uncanny realization that speaking this way over Zoom was a replication of what I do, what I used to do when I was a kid. Yeah. Right. I and I would practice speaking. And this is really yeah. very close to nature to that physically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: The thing that one, you know, I know we're getting near the end, so I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to uh, keep you on much longer, but um, I wanted to say two more things. One thing was, you you know, the weird thing is that some things happen so easily and then, you know, and some things like unintentionally happen that you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Like I had this experience in uh, when I was first discovering psychedelics, going through all this stuff, Mm -hmm. having this major spiritual breakthrough when I was 19 or Mm -hmm. 18 or something. And I, uh, a friend, you know, we were doing this, you know, someday we'll talk about all this stuff, but I was doing this Ouija board with my two friends or one became my wife. One's one of my closest friends. And we were in contact with the spirit through the Ouija board. And it was like the, the, you know, it was my, my big thing. Uh, I was at a punk band at the time. My friend would tell, was telling me about this song, uh, called Bony Fingers. Did I tell you the story before? it's it was a country song and you know the the tradition of punk bands to be to do fast versions of country songs like take the job yeah, dead yeah. kennedy's and rawhide and be right. las vegas and stuff so he's like you got to do bony fingers as a punk song because i was in this punk band and i was like oh bony fingers just can't be real he would like joke you know it was a, like a running joke because back then it was there was no internet this was in the 80s late 80s and um and he, it was a running joke that, yeah, you're making it up or that's not really a song. And he's like, it's great. It's this great country song. And it ended, it, it is a great, we, I, we ended up, he ended up finding it on cassette. We did it. It was a totally great song, uh, written by Hoyt Axton. It, it, you know, the main chorus is work your fingers to the bone. What do you get? Bony fingers. <laughs> it's really, it's great. Big. So anyway, I'm working on my first big movie, the blob, the remake of the blob. Oh, shit. Yeah. And I was like, just brand new in the industry. This is all going on while this stuff was happening. And uh, my boss is like, hey, this uh, actor's coming in, Hoyt Axton, and you're going to do his life cast, and you're going to do this effect on him. And and he came in, and it was me, out of all the people in the shop, he randomly chose me to do his life cast and do the effect. Yeah. Which was you know, what are the chances? And I was able to actually go, yeah, I, I you know, I do a cover of bony fingers and, and we, t-. it's um, like, so it's, it's like that manifested like effortlessly and other things seem to take more effort. And it's like, that was so random and kind of unimportant in a way other than to let me know that this stuff is real. It's the only thing that yes. really came out of it, but it's like, you know, I don't understand. That's, I guess, Maybe that's not meant to be, un- be understood, but why is something, you know how it is. Sometimes you'll, you'll, something will, you'll, it's seemingly manifest something effortlessly. And yes. other times it takes, you get it, but it takes more effort. You know well, what I mean?
1: I totally know what you mean. And apropos of that, if I may, I want to share two practical exercises with you that you and me and your listeners can attempt if they feel like okay. it, to cut through. Everything, you know, in the same way that chaos cuts through edi- all the um, edifice that we might want to get rid of, all the detritus we might want to get rid of, um, and in the same way that the wish goes even deeper in terms of cutting through stuff, you don't even need the sigil, perhaps. Right. I want you suggest two exercises to try. Um, very brief, very simple. So simple that they're easy to overlook, um, which is usually the exercises that we don't do because right. we think i get it too um, <laughs> so easy but so fucking easy how can you <laughs> resist it when you hear them um okay there's an actor who told me that a famous actor friend of his I said to him once that his success rested on this principle uh determine the things that make you lucky determine the things that make you lucky and then do more of them and one could say well gee uh that seems sort of amorphous or that even seems superstitious just forget all the prejudices, throw out the prejudices. There are certain things, ways perhaps the individual dresses, places the individual goes, mm. people the individual hangs out with, the kinds of work that you do, the kinds of receptions that you get. You just, just think about those areas in life where you've felt seen understood appreciated what a great idea what was going down at those times
0: yeah that's a great you know idea. i don't care
1: whether you want to use the word luck or not let's just call it that for the time being and just make a study of that and then the other thing was that's one exercise other exercise and i'll be doing this you know right on real time with everybody um i've been happy lately you know things have been going well and i've been asking myself why um and, uh, <laughs> and then um I have noticed that I have been um, saying no to things freely that I really, really, really don't want to do. And that has been revolutionary for me. Mm. And I really want to make an effort at that because it's very easy to say yes out of inertia. and We do it all the time. It doesn't mean being selfish. It doesn't mean being a dick. There is reciprocity in life, and it, you know, you that is as close to a universal law as I can suggest. Yeah. So don't don't be a dick. Don't be rude. <laughs> don't not do favors for people. Uh, I know, yes, it's inconvenient for me to bike holding fucking pizza, but if one of my kids asks me for pizza, I'll get it, you know, cause I, <laughs> I, I want them, I want us to lead a life that way where you do shit for other people, Right. but, but say no to engagements and events, um, social outings in contacts that you just really don't want in your life right. that are not nourishing. And, um, That has been so, so, so important to me. Um, I have sometimes agreed to do something and then the details got really complicated or the contract was really sucky, Mm. unexpectedly so. And rather than fighting this battle and rolling this rock up a hill, I just said, you know, I'm not going to do this. And uh, it's euphoric. euphoric. (laughs) So I want to ask people to think about that. You know, it's not a license to be selfish because there's reciprocity in this world. Right. but, but, but really think about what you want to say no to and be active and courageous about it. Yeah. Not day, <laughs> <laughs> courageous. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's great. Great, great, uh, ideas. Um, uh, I'm definitely gonna, yeah. I mean, I, I, feel like the, the older I get, the more I, the, the more I say no than I used mm-hmm. to for sure. Uh, but that's part of, you know, uh, be, being, uh, building a career. Early on, you want to yeah. say yes to everything because and that's kind of a good attitude to have, I think, early on. Yeah, but there's a I point where There's a point where it's like you okay, you can start saying no now, and by saying no, you end up you know, not only feeling better, but you end up further along
1: somehow. You end up getting better mysterious. opportunities
0: in a weird way. It's totally
1: mysterious. You know, I I, I think that um many salesmen have had the experience that They make a hundred calls, they get nowhere. Mm -hmm. And then one order comes in that totally makes their week. But everybody says they wouldn't have gotten that one order had they not made the hundred calls. I don't know what the relationship is, but it's there. And and likewise, the relationship that you're describing, which sort of is almost inverse, but equally valid by saying no to the thing you don't want, you open the door to the thing you do. And everybody, I've never known an artist to disagree with that. And no nobody can say why. It's very mysterious.
0: yeah, yeah. And I, I even think on a, on a um, you know physical uh, a, a practical level, when I left the film industry, uh, I was I had a good career. I was at the top of my field and as a sculptor in, in effects. and um, but by leaving the film industry, I you know, which is was hard to do because the money was good. And Mm -hmm. I, and I'd spent 15, 20 years there right Mm -hmm. at a high school and, um, leaving that, being willing to leave that, I, I became like way more respected by everybody in the industry. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I feel, you know, I feel like I'm treated with more respect now, whereas I was before I was more, I, you know, I was respected. And how do you understand that?
1: What's that? uh how, how do you understand that that phenomena um i, I don't know it, it could be uh just
0: a matter of simple you know when you say no and people know they can't have you easily <laughs> that, that suddenly uh you become more valuable in a way because because you people know that you won't just do whatever any, you know, when you're in a shop, you're working 40 hours a week. You do whatever they put in front of you. You're like kind of a factory worker in a way. Uh, you know, they say make a gorilla head or something and then you do it. And then they, you know, and it's like, you just kind of do whatever they tell you to do. And once I left, it's like, you know, people, people realized I, I, you know, I turned jobs down. I could have gone back and, and I I took, one or two but i've turned all kinds of jobs down and i feel like i've uh my status just as an artist has 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 risen uh i don't know i don't know i guess i think it's because you know there's a sense of when you're uh a worker at a job and you take whatever you get um when you leave that situation and, and you say, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> that, that, that people want you more in a weird way. You know, it's almost yeah. like this principle of when artwork sells in a gallery, it's like, uh, putting a red dot on a, a painting next to a painting right. shows that it's sold. People want it more when they see they can't have it.
1: That's so funny. And yet you were saying, and this has been my experience, at least early in your career, it is necessary to say yes a great deal yeah. to build your CV, build your track, and so forth. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which I do agree with. I mean, I say yes to damn near everything. I would do podcasts that were conducted, you know, with a can and a string, you know, practically <laughs> for all the listeners. But, yep. um, but it did help me hone my craft. Yeah. Yeah. I, and and yet if you remain attached to that, it's it's poison the medicine becomes poison
0: right yeah there's like a natural progression you need to kind of like sense where you need to be and where you need to go and when it's time to, you know but it's hard it's hard to say no to people especially when you're i don't know you feel for people and you want to be a good person and you want to make everybody happy it's like it's, it's hard to say no but but it's a skill like any other that you have to develop and
1: and i would hope you know that that listeners don't necessarily hear this is just a career thing because you can do this with your social mm-hmm. relationships i've always said that it's vastly better to be nobly alone than in compromised company and yeah. i really believe that with all my guts yeah with all my guts you know yeah
0: yeah that's yeah definitely okay last thing before we go i wanted to ask you is um okay you know i know you're kind of like uh, uh on the left or whatever you know we're, we're artists we're created people where we're generally creative people are kind of on the left of the spectrum, you know, liberal left, whatever you want to call it. There's mm-hmm. all these different terms. Now there's shit lib. There's, you know, it's
1: like, I don't even know what that means. I know. It's like shit
0: lib is like a Democrat. I think we're like more okay. traditional. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, it's, it's stupid. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> uh, uh, What I've, you know, I see people now that I, I like, uh, you know, on podcasts and stuff that are kind of like personalities and, and we share political views, but they are so atheistic and anything, Mm -hmm. anything outside of scientific materialism is just like viewed as complete bullshit, like. no credibility they 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 give it no credibility whatsoever and so and i imagine you know you know people like this as well it's it seems like in that circle there's a lot of that that's one of the things of the about the left it feels to me is that there's a lot of Mm -hmm. like atheism which is like understandable as as kind of pushback to uh religious upbringings and and stuff that people have and, and as a response to that uh So I don't know. I'm just curious your, your take on that, your thoughts on that. And I don't know. I feel like it's, it's, it's dumb, but I feel like I wish I could make them see, (laughs) I wish I could tell them. And it's like, you can't, you can't, you
1: can't, can't. I've encountered a lot of that. I have encountered exceptions to it as well. Um, I think I've encountered some lefties who secretly read think and grow rich and uh They understand that this can be used to concretize ideas. It just doesn't have to uh, conform to whatever your immediate cultural t- touch points are. And if you want to tear the cover off because you're embarrassed by the title, be my guest. <laughs> but, um, but don't don't denude yourself of ideas. Don't close up ideas. Um, in fact... In modern occultism, I write about William Burroughs and Brian geisen talking about reading Think and Growich and how much it meant to them. And I thought if you go on some snobbery trip that you don't read self-help or you don't read occultism or you don't read this or you don't read that, who cares, man? You're just closing yourself off from 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 possibilities that right. could expand your power. And it, it's ridiculous. But do whatever you want. Um yeah. <laughs> I, um I I think the reason for the problem, if it is a problem that you're identifying or the situation is that the, the central ethic of modernist philosophy is that everything has an antecedent. There's a hidden antecedent behind everything. So for Freud, it's childhood trauma for uh, Marx, it's economics for, um, Newton. It's, 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 it's a uh, movement and motion of cosmic bodies for, um, William James, it's uh, self-image, um, for Darwin, it's biology, biological, orderly development of life. And the excitement uh, of the modernist culture is that we can peel back the layers of the onion and get to onto the guts of what's the engine, what's fueling this. And modernity was so influenced by Freud, uh, by Marx, both of whom took very, very negative views of religion as an organized culture movement, social. organizer and and so everything kind of got thrown out and attributed to worldly functions that we could f- map out in a, a a physicalist fashion and freud even though he was actually very sympathetic to esp research and his sympathies didn't become fully aired until after his death because some of his estate keepers and his english biographer ernest jones thought that these sympathies would be critically Compromising. Um, even though Freud was in fact sympathetic to parapsychology and very interested in parapsychology, mm. and 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 wrote in wrote in fascinating tones about parapsychology, some of this didn't wasn't published until uh, post-death. Mm. And the whole modernist culture has taken as its gambit that Marx, Einstein, Freud were largely right, and so you have you have time space, you have uh, uh, psychology, which is impacted by hidden neuroses and traumas, and you have economics, and those are the names of the game, right. and everything else is 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 mystery, delusion, opiate, and so the religious, the spiritual, the occult were relegated to belonging to yesterday, and 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 serving as blinders rather than windows to the modernist subculture. I've encountered it myself, the world that I grew up in. I mean i read a little about this in uh the book uncertain places if the people that i claimed as heroes when i was a kid were still alive and saw that i was writing in areas of the occult they'd be like well what's has just gone off his right. fucking rock uh you know and and there's nothing you can do about it there's nothing you can do about it um but it is a feature of modern modern intellectual culture there are also remarkable exceptions i meet remarkable individuals who fit the same intellectual framework and who are engaged right. with Crowley or or Napoleon Hill or what have you, and they feel indelibly that there's some truth there, and um, and 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 that's their approach to life. It's usually quiet, and it doesn't get written about very much. But the the, the ticket of entry to mainstream letters is disavowal of the extra physical. So if you're writing about ESP. Right to first disavow, well, it's all bullshit, even if you don't feel that way. Right. And there's people I know who do that because they want to enter mainstream letters. And so they will pay the price of disavowal, even though in private, they're like, yeah, there's some pretty fucking interesting stuff, you know, in this ESP. They've you know, said work. that they've said that to you, like Absolutely. literally. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I can yeah. name, and I, I won't do it because yeah. of privacy, yeah,
0: yeah, but yeah, I yeah.
1: can name a famous fucking writer who disavows in public and in private is like yeah there's some weird shit out there oh my god (laughs) and it's like well, why aren't you talking about this i know uh i know um uh independent uh, scholar of religion who is interested in a particular work of channeling and he said to me you know don't tell anyone about this and i'm like dude your privacy i'll fucking honor it but it's like you know you're checking out soon. Like at what point, you know, yeah. you're never going to tell the world that you're interested in this. If you did, maybe it would open up some interesting discussions. But you know, people they 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 protect reputation and they pay the fee of entry. Yeah, uh, I would never do that, and that's why I miss being in mainstream media more because it has such reach. Mm-hmm. And it and yet I'm also happier not being in mainstream media because I will not issue that disavowal.
0: Yeah. This is the punk rock. I mean it's like this is what you, this is, you know, it's like it's just like punk rock. It's like you know, you're you're not going to uh sacrifice your your beliefs to to get a big record deal. You yeah. know what I mean? It's just yeah, it's the yeah, same. I can't. I yeah. I can. not
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm but the- just not going to write about shit. I spend the first five pages of modern occultism talking about what it means to be a believing historian. Mm-hmm. And the fact is most historians are believing historians. They have a point of view. Right. And if you find your way to writing about a movement that you weren't just born into that point of view was shaped along the road of a journey. And I think people should be transparent about that, but it's up to the individual. Yeah. You know, yeah, I prefer the transparency. Well, you know,
0: the only thing you can do, I guess, in in hearing you talk, uh, it occurred to me is, um, as far as, want, you know, you want to tell people, try something, try it. There's simple things you can do to try to test it, but, you know, and you hope that they will, because if people try it, they'll see that it's real. Like if they try a sigil or whatever, there's different things you can do that are pretty easy. Um, mm-hmm. any, but it doesn't, it's, you know, it, it almost feels like a, in a lot of ways, it's genetic, whether you believe, whether you're a believer, it, it's just like who you are. So it's maybe pointless to, um, uh, but, but, but maybe that's not true, but, but point was, I guess what we're doing now is kind of all you can do. And what you're doing, you're doing is you're writing books about it. You know, we're talking about it on a podcast. I'm not embarrassed about it. I, I talk about it all the time. I feel like if I can if there's some something of service I can do, <laughs> that is, uh, uh, to talk about this stuff uh, in a way that I'm, I'm not embarrassed about. I don't give a shit if people believe me or not. You know, and it's like
1: yeah, I mean, one has to reach that point. I've seen people go their whole careers without ever reaching that point. I don't think it's a particularly happy place. Yeah, and it doesn't net them the things that they want. People hide things because they feel if they reveal them, it'll hurt them. But then they might not get those things they want anyway, and they've lived a life of hiding. So you may as well just throw it to the wind at one point and and just be out there. You know, wave your freak flag, or whatever <laughs> it is you, you want to call it. Yeah, know? but I mean,
0: that you're, that's what you're doing with your work. It's like you're, you're uh, uh, I don't know, it feels to me, I'm sure this is true, that you're... Uh, you're doing this as a service to help this cause. Oh, there's that word. I know. I had to bring it you up. Got to another episode. I know another <laughs> episode. That was that dream was weird because I I that was a I had a dream where it told me where it said that some uh, someone told me that and it was like totally random anyway side the point uh no no but i'm i'm
1: down for we we can open that up again another yeah, week yeah yeah we should. <laughs> we should i may have some cultural blockages with it
0: <laughs> but but yeah. but to me that's the that's the you're you are doing that service with your work because you know you could probably make more money writing you could probably make okay take it to an extreme level if you start you yes yeah. could, you could probably become a I'm a disaffected liberal that's become a conservative. Uh, that's the thing. That's what they do. It's yeah, the, I know. That's, right. That's, that's, that's the grift. A now. friend and I
1: mapped that out once, like, you know, have a handicapped person, attack the handicapped. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> what, that's what our culture loves. Yeah, you know?
0: But that's that's how these people make money. All these right wingers yeah. now. It's like, I used to be on the left and the left left me and blah, blah. You could do that with your books and probably sell more books. But Yeah, but probably. You, but you wouldn't, you don't want to do that because no, you no. believe in what you're doing. And, and that's, you know, to me, that's the, that you're serving this idea that you want to get out there because you believe in it and you think it's true and you think it's, could be helpful to other people and you, and you're an extension of self. I mean, the only art
1: producing is an extension of self and what am I, you know, if I'm not telling the truth, it's hilarious. You know, I have these pseudo skeptics who come to me sometimes and they're like, you know. Horowitz is just doing it for the money, and it's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. right about uh, ESP research. That is the golden ladder to wealth in this country. And um, one time uh, I had only revealed this several weeks ago, uh, so I feel like I can talk about it more freely. Um, but after the pseudo-skeptic James Randi died, I wrote a very harsh counter-obituary of James, and I would do the same thing again because mm-hmm. I think he lacked integrity. And um, and I, I I felt a counter-voice needed to be added to the mix of mostly heroizing obituaries from The Guardians to The New York Times to Rolling Stone, you name it. Everybody just you know was showering him with garlands, and I thought, let's, let's have a voice of dissent here. So mm-hmm. I did it, and some guy wrote to me and said, um, how does it feel to get uh, – paid for this you know must feel nice oh my god i never said so at the time but i was never paid for it i i I didn't earn a dime off of it um nobody wanted it nobody in the mainstream wanted it i brought it everywhere i couldn't even get people to to you know respond to it Uh, i guess they thought it was gauche writing you know this this counter obituary i have no idea anyway i brought it to to boing boing and i published it for free uh i would do it again (laughs) i worked long and hard on that puppy yeah um so, you know, people who are cynical only see themselves. And I hear it all the time. You know, the cynics are like, uh, I was defending Michael Aquino recently, mm-hmm. and I expect to defend Michael Aquino in the future, dedicate a lot, significant section to him in the book. He's been the subject of a really weird ass QAnon adjacent conspiracy. Yeah, conspiracy I know. I've read, just, I've, I've read
0: a lot of stuff about him. Just preposterous. Yeah, it's terrible.
1: Um, but uh, in any case, um, I think he was a great religious theorist, and I write about him. In the new book, and someone again made a comment to the effect of, like, you know, well, he does this for money. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, people just throw money at you. And, you know, the United yeah. States, when you spend, uh, recently deceased Satanist, you know. Yeah, right. just, yeah <laughs> easy money, baby. Uh that's how we do it here. Um, you know, so it's just so you know, ridiculous. But cynics only see themselves. Yeah. So the artist, in my estimation, has to put him or herself out there. And um that's what that's what we do.
0: Yeah. I think that's in, in right. a yeah, in a way I think that's uh it's the proof of purchase seal that you're that mm-hmm. you have integrity is that you are doing what you love because you believe in it even though it's not going to make you a bunch of money mm-hmm. again it goes back to the punk thing it's it's like uh, uh same with uh, you know same with what I'm doing it's like
1: you know <laughs> Yeah, Who, who's going to buy this? Well, <laughs> well, once in a while you fucking record "Rock the Casbah, and then suddenly everybody yeah, likes yeah, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that's that. I wrote it one night, you know, <laughs> while I couldn't sleep. And something else, something
0: else. Yeah, that's the natural. That's the natural way. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Wow. Well, anyway, okay. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you taking the time. Super great. Talking Always. To
1: you. Yeah. Always. Uh, I can't wait for our thing. And uh, so uh, let's see. It's it's Chet and Mitch. Uh, Wednesday, the 21st. Yes. Uh, We're such slick (laughs) marketers. I love it. I'm gonna have it in it. the
0: intro. I'm gonna have it in the intro too.
1: My shit Friday the twenty third or the twenty second, I think. You know, yes. I don't know. <laughs> figure it out. Go online. It's yeah,
0: it's the 22nd, twenty 22nd.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's oh, a scary how adept we are in marketing. I'll, yeah.
0: I'll look it up and I'll do it in the intro. So right, <laughs> I'll, I'll right, say to in the dig, intro. Dig, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Sometime you, or another, we'll be there. You right. should you should come <laughs> if you're in the LA area. It's gonna be super fun. Uh, uh, the place is amazing prs is awesome and um that's for sure yeah it's going to be so cool so i uh i'm really excited about it really excited likewise likewise thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it always always. uh love talking to you and um appreciate your friendship and uh likewise uh, thank you uh, for everything yeah thank you uh and say all we have to do is you have to don't hang up but just say goodbye to the audience somehow say goodbye bye 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 Bye. (laughs) bye everybody